This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Welcome, Second Winders. I have a really neat, multifaceted lady sitting with us today. Her name is Jen Koken, and she works with women in power positions who don't feel so powerful anymore. She shatters their self-doubt so they can learn to love themselves, embrace their genius, and their own success. Recognized by ABC, MSNBC, and TEDx, Jen is an international peak performance coach. She's a Fortune 500 speaker, imposter syndrome expert, and get this, a recovering stand-up comedian. What? So cool. Fortune 500 clients to seven-figure CEOs trust Jen to shake things up with zero apologies, no limits, and all the laughs. And her story is awesome, and there's some really cool things in here, Um, and her books are worth a read. So let's go. Welcome, Jen, to Second Wind. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me on here. I love this podcast. I love you, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you. It's such an honor. Oh my gosh. Yay. And we started talking back in February. I know. August of 2021. That's a lot. Seven months later. I was doing the counting February, March, April, May, June, seven months later. I know. Busy Good things are worth the wait. Yes. Our conversation is worth the wait. So everyone, peer. Perk, peek your ears up, perk your ears up. Let's go. Let's go. So let's start with that wonderful thing that brought you or things that brought Jen to her second wind. Oh, Lordy have mercy. Okay. Grab a (laughs) cup of tea. Um, So I was in politics for the majority of my life. You know, I have my master's degree in political campaign management, and I spent my lifetime getting other people elected, getting laws passed, et cetera. My mother passed away from ovarian cancer in 2011, and she was misdiagnosed for a year. And oh I, I know it was terrible. And I didn't want any other family to suffer like that. So my first book, When I Die, Take My Panties, is our memoir together. But it's really meant, it's not sad. It's not, I mean, there's places where you, it's kind of like cats. You laugh, you cry. I can't mm. say it's better than cats, but maybe I should. What an um, analogy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But it's not one of these really like downer kinds of books because right. it teaches you how to find the silver lining. And I have six particular lessons learned in the back of the book for people to, um, you know, focus in on. So it was also cathartic for me because I was um, grieving my mom, you know, grieving right. the loss of her. It took me four years and seven rewrites. You know, I had an editor, everybody, and it just came to a point where I had like a crisis of confidence. Can I really put it out there? Will anyone listen? I had two really great coaches who convinced me otherwise. So boom, it comes out 
But as it happened the day before I was laid off of my fourth job while writing the book out of nowhere, I was working for a big solar company and we had a team of people who were lobbying municipalities to hire us as the solar contractor. And they reorganized and went to just doing commercial and no longer residential. And I was like, okay, what is happening? (laughs) Yeah. Now what? You know, and and some of the um, senior team had reached out to me, wanted to know what I was doing, wanted to know if they could hire me, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I really am dealing with the shock. My book just came out. I had hired a publicist who now I didn't want to pay because I I didn't know what my next job was. And I had severance till October. But I'll tell you, I I was um, scheduled to be at a conference on ovarian cancer and had posted something to Facebook like, hey, friends, what would make you stop by a table? My friend's husband called me, who I've known for years. And to this day, neither one of us knows what he said. It was a five minute, (laughs) seriously. Oh my gosh. Five minute conversation. And then it took me a week. And I said, you know what? I'm going into business for myself. I think my job is to educate women about ovarian cancer, especially Jewish women, because we are 10 to 40 times more likely to get ovarian cancer. Did not know and that. the BRCA gene, because we've been marrying each other for centuries to keep it in the faith, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, that's that's my role. So let me do everything I can. So I got my book to an Amazon bestseller. I was on TV. I did radio, all these things. And I realized I couldn't, it was so um, depleting for me to hold that space of grief because that's really the space I was in was hearing people's stories and, oh. you know, here talking to the caretakers and giving them my caretakers blueprint and all those things. And I'm like, I can't, I just can't physically handle this. So I said, okay, let me go back to coaching. I'd been coaching while I was in politics for a big company called Landmark Worldwide. And I had been a coach with them for 16 years. They offer extraordinary courses that transform people's lives. And I've been trained and developed by them for 16 years, but I had ended my tenure with them in 2015 because it just, it wasn't a self-expression for me anymore. I was looking for something maybe more spiritual based, maybe more from an energy healing perspective. I really, Landmark's great for the head, but I wanted to connect head, heart, body, soul, everything. And I was still in the seeking moment, I hadn't quite landed on what that was. I said, okay, let me go back and coach people one-on-one. So that's what I did. The first three years were hard and they were hard because I didn't really know who I was separate from Landmark. I didn't really know were my ideas, my ideas, or were they from Landmark? And I had to make sure I wasn't using their technology. Well, what's my methodology and what do I have to say? Will anybody listen without this big name? you know, behind behind me, right? Kind of thing. And so it was very, I just felt awkward. And I was also trying to use all the bro marketing techniques. Oh, you have to have a high ticket item and blah, blah, blah. And you have a small one, free one, a small one. Like, ugh, it just all, I didn't like any of it. Finally met this woman who has a phenomenal group called The Dames, which is a global organization of six and seven figure business owners. And I was her opening act in Denver in 2016, I think, right before I got laid off, uh, her whole methodology was she hated networking. 
She wanted things to be light and funny and provide value rather than going after people to get business. Wait, were you the opening act as the comedian? As the comedian. Yes, I did oh 20 gosh. minutes. And, and I was teaching. I was leaving them with a lesson learned, which is all about how I think, can we swear on this podcast? Yes, it's organic. Okay. All right, good. <laughs> I said, you know, I have this whole talk I have called balance is bullshit because you can't freaking it doesn't matter. We're not going to go into that, but I did that 20 minutes and then I hired her to help me with marketing. And then she really helped me fine tune who I helped, why the big why, which is so important. What's our passion? What's our heart? What's our soul? And I know I've had a commitment. I've had two commitments in my life. One is as a little girl, I always used to pray to God and I'd say, God, let me be an instrument of your peace. Didn't know what that meant. I just knew that was my job. And then right around 9-11, I created a commitment where we have a world of people at home with themselves, known, honored, and appreciated. Because I said, 9-11 happened, right, wrong, whatever you agree or disagree, those people who flew the planes in the building didn't feel heard, didn't feel known, didn't feel respected. Mm. And people are listening now. Mm-hmm. How do we have a world where we don't have to fly planes in buildings, where we don't have to come at each other? We shall have peace, right? An instrument of your peace. How do we have that moment? So for me, my mission is to make sure that women are in their happy place or at home with themselves at that C-suite level, because there's not a lot of women who lead and who are in leadership positions when you get to the highest heights, or for that matter, who lead companies, right? Very like eight to 10% are women led. And of those maybe 2% get over six figures. So I'm super committed to empowering women to be themselves, whoever that self is. Right. Right. So as I tuned into all this and okay, that's my purpose, that's my soul. I'm going to stick my neck out there. And I was getting it lopped off left and right, criticized trolls, you know, no, what you're like, you know, just not feeling myself. I couldn't put my finger on it. And I worked with a coach and I realized it was because I was dealing with what we call imposter syndrome, what I know as imposter phenomenon, because it's not a syndrome, because it's not a medical diagnosis, but I was doubting everything I said. So I might've been out there putting my message out there, but at home, it was almost like I was cowering under the covers, beating myself up. Did I say that right? Like every blog. Oh my gosh. It was, you know, it was a, took me all day. Yeah. Write the damn thing because everything had to be perfect and every word. And I'm sure people listening are like, oh yeah, I do that too, right? We oh yeah, for sure. Everything perfect, sure. everything buttoned up before we'll be public about it. And what I realized in working with my coach is this went back to when I was six years old. Oh, I love you this know, story. I, yes, yes. <laughs> I love this funny story. story. Me and my best friend, like the same boy. And uh, we decided we were going to figure out who he liked by chasing around the schoolyard and kissing him and see who he would kiss. So we chased (laughs) him around the schoolyard. It's in the snow in Michigan. We pushed him into the snow and we're all laughing and giggling as little six-year-olds do. And he looks at Michelle and she puckers up and he kisses her. And he looks at me and I pucker up and he goes, ew. Ah, The dagger like went so deep. Six years old, right? And so 
you know, realize when those things happen to us when we're so young, that is an imprint, that is a neural pathway. And the brain is like, ooh, don't want to do that again. How do I protect myself? And my way of protecting myself was never be out front in relationships, in life, anything. Be the funny sidekick, be the person behind the scenes. And if you looked at my political career and everything I had done, and even working within the ovarian cancer community was all about pushing someone else's agenda until it was my own. So that's what, with imposter phenomenon, the brain gets triggered as we play a bigger game, as we're putting ourselves out there, as we're um, getting, as we're up leveling, right? Yes. And as soon as I realized that and realized that neural pathway, then I began to observe it in action. I began to observe when it got triggered, uh, what triggered it, what the body sensations were, where I felt it. And I said, all right. Then I began asking myself this question. If I wasn't busy being triggered and the, and the funny sidekick, who do I want to be? Ooh, ooh. That How is do I huge. want to show up? Yes. Like, and take, it was, take the smoke screens away. Take the smoke screens away. And it's not what do I want to be doing, but who do I want to be being in the world? And it's really simple. Loving, joyful, playful. And the peace and the instrument of peace and the instrument of peace. Exactly. Exactly. So every day it's, am I going to, how am I going to show up? It's a moment of choice, the moment. And and in that moment of creating that I'm creating a new neural pathway. And then it was practicing that it was practicing. Well, what does it look like to be loving? What does it look like to be playful? I began to say no to things that didn't sound like fun. I began to say no to things that weren't going to bring me joy, even invitations from friends. Yes. Yeah. You know, or if I was with somebody and not stick around because I wasn't having fun, it cl- was clear to me energetically, it wasn't a match. So that was in 2019. Okay. So I get ready to launch this whole thing and bam, the pandemic hits. Oh, yeah. So many people I've spoken to, they they came up with these things right before the pandemic. And then how do you stay true to that when the whole world has shifted? Right? Yes. But what was great was, you know, I used to speak a lot and travel around the country and I lost 80% of my business. Oh my God. What I did was I developed a one hour talk on, on imposter syndrome using research from the original two uh, psychologists who discovered the imposter phenomenon using research from Dr. Valerie Young and her seminal book, the I think it's called the secrets of highly successful women and her five archetypes. And I began offering these for free to groups of women. And then from there, I designed a quiz so people could get to know themselves. I took that webinar, recorded it, threw it up on my website. When you take the quiz, you get that for free and you get a 20 minute coaching call with me as well. And from there, if you want to do three sessions to go through what I just shared with you, mm-hmm. that's an introductory price to work with me from those three sessions. By the end of 2020, I had 2X'd my business. What? And not only that, using my own methodology, not a joyful, loving, playful, peaceful, using my own methodology, I set it up. So in the first quarter of 2021, I did six figures. Oh my God. Gosh, that's so now, fantastic. All in the middle of, bum, 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 you know this, being diagnosed with breast cancer in August yes, of 2020. Yeah. 
It's actually a year ago tomorrow that I was given that diagnosis. And you are and now. And I'm cancer free. I'm cancer yeah. free. And, you know, if someone had said to me, well, you know, this whole thing's going to be, you know, people, they don't mean to be weird about it. Oh my God, you have to have radiation. That sucks. My mother hated it. Her limbs fell off. I'm like, no, thank you. Please don't provide that information to me. (laughs) People would say to me, well, you're going to figure out it's a really beautiful time. When they said it to me last August, I wanted a sockum in the eyeball. However, in retrospect, I got how loved I am. I built a team of people around me to work on my business. I launched a group program. I just launched a 30-day Awaken Your Greatness Challenge. And I do all of that working 16 hours a week for the most part. Because I also got self-care is really important. And my stress level, I want to keep it to a minimum. So I do calls like this from one to five, Monday through Thursday. And I don't work Fridays and I have vacation every month because that, you know, I'll be 57 this month. I want to retire in 10 years. How do I sell my company? Is it, it just shifted my whole mindset. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that um, kind of encapsulates where we are today. So I really, you know, in the middle of that 2020 in the pandemic, I there's a real distinction, you know, between scaling and growing a business. Like scaling right. is understanding, you know, this. How do I, how do I make more money with less time? So now it's zeroing in and everything, making sure all systems work, and then growing it from there. And um, yeah, yeah. Jen, how My, did you? How did you? I mean, how did you deal <laughs> with this diagnosis and then keep your business going? I mean, I think, I don't know, but I think if I were in your shoes, I would be like, okay, everything's out the window. I am going to deal with this cancer thing. I'm going to let it just run my whole world. Um, I mean, I just feel like that would be the the thing that would make sense. Right. You didn't do that. I didn't do that. Well, number one, I didn't have a choice to do that. I'm not married. I don't have someone else supporting me. You know, I wasn't going to tap into retirement, but more than that, you know, I have a commitment to make a difference in the world Mm -hmm. and a commitment that women are true to themselves and are these amazing leaders in the world and that we have more women and women of color at the top than ever before. And I wasn't even public about this. I had a very small circle of people who knew none of my clients knew we, you know, I, I, my business manager and I talked, he was one of the first people I called my PR and branding person after my parents, my aunt and uncle was the next person I called. And I said, okay, we have to shift my schedule where I'm only doing coaching calls from one to five, which was one of the most brilliant things I ever did because I had no idea how I was going to feel. So I oh, wanted to, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. right. So I gave myself the morning to cry. And some days I laid in bed and cried for hours oh my God. because that's all I could do. But I was allowing myself to move through the spaces of the grief and the fear. And when I wrote my book about my mom, I thought my career as a grassroots organizer and being in politics was prepping me for her journey. What I now realize is me being on her journey prepped me for my own because Mm. I learned three key pieces that I call my caregiver's blueprint, which you and I were talking about right before the podcast that I plan to record and have available for people to buy, you know, as like a little short course, it's three things. 
Number one, only deal with the facts. Oh, yes. In everything, right? In everything in yes. life, because everything else is conjecture. Everything else is you're worrying about some future that haven't, hasn't happened. And Buddha says all suffering lies in worry and story. You know, if you ever read the book of joy by Bishop Esmond, Bishop Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, one of the things they talk about is how worry zaps our joy. And we're only ever worrying about something that hasn't happened or something that did happen which we have no control over either. We're not present. Right. So present. Yes. Dealing with the present allows us to, I mean, sorry, dealing with the facts allows us to be present. And I had people at my disposal who I could call at the drop of a hat. If I found myself worrying, you know, 20 seconds down the road, that's number one. Number two, say everything. And so say everything say everything. People withhold stuff. Someone's on their deathbed. Then you say, I love you and you forgive them. But for me, it was more, okay, look, we've got this nucleus of people. This is the cone of silence. You, you may not tell this to anybody. I will set up a caring bridge site for these core group of people. I am not going to speak about this to any of you. My stepmom would call me and just want to hear my voice to give her an update. And I had to say to her, no. I don't want to continue to give voice to what isn't working. I don't want to continue to give voice oh. to my fears because in the moment we are, we are what we speak, right? Yes. yes. You are what you eat. I get it. You are what you speak. And I was uninterested in speaking whatever was happening currently and my own fears into reality, unless it was with somebody who was trained to get my communication without adding anything or twisting it around and just letting it be. Because when someone can interact with you that way, the fear disappears because they're not trying to solve or manage anything for you. So, and that included, you know, um, not, not saying anything to my clients because I had no idea. First of all, I wanted to keep making a difference because it got my mind off myself. Right. Uh, I wanted the income to come in because I had to continue to support myself and my team. I had my mornings. I would journal. I would write. I would work out at home. Pandemic. What are you going to do? Right. Um, And then eventually when I could see, oh, and the third piece of the caregiver's blueprint. So say everything, still stick with the facts and empower the patient's choice of treatment. So I said to them, if what I think is going to get rid of my breast cancer, if I stand on the damn balcony eating barbecue with a tinfoil hat on and my left hand up in the air, you damn well better say to me, what kind of ribs do you want next week? Because that's (laughs) what this girl's going to be doing because I think it's going to work, right? For whatever reason. So when we marry those things of empower the patient and say everything, one of my dear friends her best friend had died of breast cancer. So she was part of my inner circle. I had three girlfriends who went to every single appointment with me. Uh, Well, four girlfriends who went to every single appointment with me. I never went by myself. And uh, there was a point where one of my, I was thinking about a double mastectomy because they only found the cancer in one breast. They're going to do a lumpectomy, but I wanted to talk to the doctor more about why he thought a double mastectomy wasn't the right decision, et cetera. She left me a voicemail and said, I think it's the wrong idea. She said everything, which I asked her to do, but it also pissed me off. Oh, wow. So I called her and said, okay, I'm curious. And that phrase goes a long way to 
making sure you're not already defensive, right? Or in an argument with somebody. I said, I'm just curious. I know you left me your message about you didn't think I should get the double mastectomy. If I had gone with it anyway, would you have empowered that decision? Of course I would have. You just told me to say everything. So I was saying everything. I'm like, yes. Okay. Perfect. Then when I could be the author of my journey, then we went public and I told my clients and we did a whole campaign, hashtag check your chest because mammograms were down 40%. And I said, this cancer is going to make a difference for others. My life is always about others, which is why it never honestly ever occurred to me to shut everything down and just deal with cancer. I didn't want to, I was uninterested because I knew if my attention was out there, whatever I was going to through through was going to be minimal compared to my commitment and stand for everybody else. Oh my gosh. That's so brave. It's so brave too. Like, because I think the general idea is share your story. Let other people be part of that. You know, the more people that are praying for you, the better, but I see what you're saying in that. If you're thinking all this negative stuff all the time and the what ifs, right. That you can't control that that kind of lays the next flagstone to step on, doesn't it? It does. And, and, you know, I could have been out there and having people pray for me, but that also, see, everybody has to set their own boundaries. And I had very clear boundaries. Don't, you can call me, you can text, you can leave me a message, text me, email me. Do not expect me to return those calls, texts, or emails because my nature is and who I am for the people around me is holding space for them. Mm Mm-hmm. So in the beginning and and how some of these rules came about, I told one very close friend and all of a sudden I started getting Facebook messages and emails. And then I got an email from her her ex-husband saying he was praying for me and he knew I was strong. And and as a strong woman, that's the last thing you want to hear because you don't feel strong because there's cancer invading your body, right? Right. right? So I called her up and I was like, what is going on? Well, I only told people I knew cared about you that could help you. I said, please. I said, even your ex-husband, she goes, yeah. She goes, I guess I'm processing a lot of feelings. I'll talk to my therapist. I said, that's a good idea. <laughs> okay. Stop so then, telling everybody. So then became my rule. If I share this with you, it is not yours to share. I right. can't handle. I just right now, I know people love me. I know they want to be a part of this. Can't do it right now. So then I had another friend who I told, um, this is right in the first couple of weeks and she just started bawling. And we're business partners and we were trying to manage some other stuff. And she's like, you just have to hold space for me while I cry. And I said, no, I don't. You are not, you're not allowed to be more upset than I am. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) That was one of my rules. You're not allowed to be more upset than I am. I'm upset, but don't expect me to hold space for you. You've got to go find somebody to hold space for you. I'm not going to, and I had to train myself, Wendy, to do that because I'm such a caretaker of other people. Then finally, when we did the CaringBridge site, we opened it up. I did this whole video to people and I said, I have some news to share. Here's what's going on. And I, and then I, I, it came across very eloquently that people knew I was taking care of them. I said, if I could, I'd be sitting, I call every one of you. We'd have a cry on the phone or I'd sit across from the couch from you and we'd hold hands because I know you want to give me a hug and I know you want want me to know that you're here for me. No, I know that. And please don't call me. And you That's know, please necessary. don't right. Yeah. And I also made requests, which was, you know, when I went through radiation, I had five different friends who took me on their day to radiation. And I had people send me Grubhub gift cards because I never knew. 
what I was going to feel like eating. People wanted to bring me food, but I'm like, I I don't have a big freezer and all that stuff's going to sit in the freezer. What if I'm not in the mood, you know? So it was all, all these ways that I figured it out. And at the end of the day, it was probably November. November was when I knew I didn't have to have chemo. And that was a big fear for me because I had heard about chemo brain and yes, I wasn't sure if I could, yes. you know, as a, as a coach, I'm like, how do I, part because of my you coach have to process so much information about other people and keep it all straight. And not only that, I take a lot of notes, but I'm holding space for them. And I'm quite honestly, allowing God to go through me because mm-hmm. I don't always know where, what I'm saying comes from, or that's why I always have a post-it note. Tell me the next person to talk to the next oh, thing to wow. say. God, let me be an instrument of your peace, peace of mind. It's not just peace between people, but giving people peace of mind Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. they're living their authentic life. They're true to themselves. They are embracing their genius. They are owning their success and they know who they are. So when I find out about that and that I didn't need it, then we could go public. And then I was a lot more vocal about it, you know? Um, But yeah, that was a, was cray cray. And then I got all this business in the first quarter of the year and went, how am I going to get all this done? (laughs) And then I squished the flow, you know, in the second quarter and did maybe like a 10th of what I did first quarter. And then I went, oops, let's turn on the spigot. spigot Okay. 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 (laughs) Yeah. You have, have you found that good medium ground now? Yeah, it's getting there. It's definitely getting there. The spigots back on and Mm -hmm. then it's also trusting, right? Trusting the universe has my back and knowing that even today where I thought I really had to get to work and in the morning I journal and I'll pull tarot cards or goddess cards. And there was this card that said, you need to be still, you need to take a break. Like, I don't get it. What do you mean? And then it was another card I pulled. No, do you need to tap into your intuition Okay, mm-hmm. but how am I going to, or you need to take a break was the other card to be able to tap into your intuition. I'm like, All right, well, I'll go order a coffee from Starbucks. And I walked across <laughs> the street and walked, did the long way back home and I felt rejuvenated. You Isn't know? that interesting? Yeah. It's all about listening. Listening to our gut. And, and because you have gray matter in your brain, you have gray matter in your gut, you have gray matter in your cells. So the body remembers, right? Yeah. And um, I think- when I work with people on imposter syndrome, I'm bringing them peace of mind because they're so used to believing the thoughts they have about themselves, about people, about life are true. Right. They don't know who they really are because they've never taken that time to be still. Yes. And that's incredibly important for us to hear those gut instinct, intuition, whatever you want to call it, the still small voice of God within you, which is in all of us. Yeah. The boundary thing. So this, it's like the other words, manifestation, alignment, and boundaries seem to be the catch-all phrases right now. Um, And I can't even imagine how you even knew to put up boundaries. What what made you know to put up boundaries? Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. So a very good friend of mine who is uh, also a business partner and also a mentor and also a coach once said to me, Jen, a boundary is something you create that keeps your heart open and allows you to feel safe. Hmm. So a boundary keeps your heart open and you still feel safe. 
So I have a boundary, for example, that when I hear people talking smack about other people, I get up and walk away. Yes. Yeah. Because I don't want to be a part of that. And by the way, I don't, if you're talking about that person and I'm engaging in that conversation, how do I know you're not talking about me with that person? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, when I walk away. So a boundary was, okay, I need you not to say anything right now. Because I am really, really in the thick of it. And I don't want a whole lot of people reaching out to me right now who might expect me to get back to them. Right. And that's time. And it's a time suck. It's an energy suck. Right? That makes so much sense. And you don't need people talking about your cancer and your thing and, oh, I hopes and what ifs and all this stuff, bringing the negativity in and around your aura, your space. Yeah. And you know, um, people mean the very best, you know, one in five people is going to be diagnosed with cancer. Everybody knows somebody who has had cancer, has cancer or died of cancer. True. We don't know what to say. And the way, the way the human mind works in the moment of you telling me about your, your story about whatever's going on with you, I'm trying to mirror your neurons and trying to find a story that fits with what you're doing. So immediately people are going, are going to want to tell their story Ah. or relate to it somehow. Or, you know, I had a friend who came out of this and everything was fine. I got it. I don't give a shit. (laughs) I got it. Like, and, and one of the, that's not, yeah. One of the uh, (laughs) women I got connected to, she said, you just RSVP. No, honey. That's what you do. You don't accept that gift. That's what you do. She's from the South. So you just RSVP no, as long as you want. You don't have to accept any of that. So when my friend, when I told her I had to have radiation and she, her response was, oh my God, my mom had that. It was horrible. I said, hmm, I'm curious. Why would you tell me that? I don't know. I didn't know what to say. Yeah. Right. And her mom had radiation 25 years ago. And of course it was very different. I had absolutely no skin issues with the radiation. I was also using my own blend of aloe vera and essential oils. So I looked it up and researched it and got them. And yeah, my, my radiation oncologist wants me to send her the recipe because she was, she was so shocked, but it's people don't know how to respond when you're in the middle. Well, and Jen, it seems to me too, that you, you don't ever play the victim role anyway. No, you know, it's so interesting that you say that because I just went through this Eye of the needle, I'll call it. Like I just, I just crawled through the mud this last week, where um, I had a situation on Friday where somebody I was eating uh, dinner with some neighbors, and one of them started making fun of one of the guys that works in our building, including imitating his speech pattern. And this gentleman happens to be gay, and I asked him to stop, uh, and I said it wasn't, it wasn't, um, I didn't find it funny. And he would not stop. And I got up to leave. And the rest of the group was like, don't leave, don't leave. And this guy goes, well, I won't talk about him. I'll talk about this person. Instead of? (laughs) Nice. Okay. And this is a 48-year-old military man. Okay. Like the dude should have some semblance of being an adult and being grown, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I kept walking away and he was like yelling at me as I was walking away. And I turned on my heel. I said, you want to throw down? Let's throw down. And I went over to him and I said, you need to learn how to grow up. This is gossip. We're talking about, you know, behind each other's back. It doesn't work. Be kind, be nice. That's all I'm asking you to do. You're taking this more personally than he would. I said, I'm not taking it personally. I'm trying to say to you that you're not being kind. Be 
kind. There's too much stress in the world. So I was so livid one day. I'll tell you, I got upstairs and my friend Lori had taught me some emotional release techniques that I use with my clients. And I was using them, pounding the bed and throwing punches out the window to just kind of release. I felt, I didn't feel, it wasn't personal to me, but I was just angry. I was like fired up, you yeah. know, when you see a injustice. And then I got a text from him that said, you know, I don't like the way this ended. When you get a chance, I'd really like to apologize to you. Oh, wow. Now I could have been magnanimous and said, great. I'm not in the space to do that now, but I didn't, I was an ass. I said, no, thank you. You know, I am not interested in being around people who talk about each other poorly behind their backs. Thank you for showing me your true colors. And I wish you the best. Boom. I cut them off. Right. Yeah. That stuck with me. And it wasn't that I stood up, you know, for this guy downstairs. I realized just a couple of days ago, I'm like, oh, this is the anxiety. This is the agita that I have is I cut off my own heart right. when I said no, thank you to him. Mm-hmm. And I sent him a note and said, I'm sorry I reacted that way. Let's have a conversation. I would like to talk with you. And we had dinner together. The group of us had dinner together just a couple nights ago. And that moment of realizing that, I mean, when you're coming from a space of being loving, you begin to recognize your limitations of being a human being, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and it's important to remember other people are human too. And other people make mistakes. They're not the first person who have, I'm not the first person who has, you know, show grace. Yeah. Yeah. Show grace. And, and that's the thing I really got is when I, I can forgive, but not condone somebody's behavior. The forgiveness comes from me when I'm being unforgiving, I'm cutting myself off from my own heart from source. And we're all part of the same field of energy. So that I'm cutting myself off from God, the universe, Bob, your dog, whatever you want to call it, universal energy, the quantum field, I'm, we're cutting ourselves off. Right. And in that moment, we're making ourselves small and hiding our hearts. The moment you forgive, you're reconnected, life flows, life is easy, you know? Oh, I'm glad I asked that. Um, Yeah. I am too. Yeah, that's important. And I think um, all of us that are working towards finding ourselves in our second wind, and becoming the person that we see ourselves and would like ourselves to be and with a purpose and soul, soul leading the way, having boundaries, but also being forgiving and accepting and not having preconceived notions and expectations. I mean, these are things that really propel us forward. So thank you for sharing that. That was probably not Well, I think that whole question of, you know, a boundary is a boundaries are, it, there's no universal boundaries, right? It's right. what keeps your heart open and makes exactly. you feel safe. There's not a little, you just can't go pay somebody to tell you what your boundaries are. Right. You there's, can't. No, there's not a boundary guidebook. You got right, to figure no guidebook. it out. You know, Even you if gotta, there was, it wouldn't work for everybody. And that's what Nikki Braffman and I were talking about today in, in her interview was manifestation. You can go pay somebody because it worked for them. And this is how they're making a million dollars and have the Lamborghini, whatever it is they manifested that worked for them. They're they're How they're going to show you isn't necessarily going to work for you because you're not them. You have your right. own chart. You have your own things. Voice. You have your own yes. thing. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about imposter syndrome and how that worked in your world, because that has become your main focus now. And you have these 
Do you still have your monthly groups on these? The monthly mastermind, um, the, I want to say the first Thursday of the month, because I know it's tomorrow. Today's Wednesday, right? I know. I don't know what day of the week it is. It's tomorrow, but I think we had to switch some things up. So anyway, it's usually the first or second um, uh, Thursday of the month, and it's an hour each month. And I do a quick presentation. You get into small groups, you have a conversation, you come back, and it gives me a chance to do laser coaching with people. But I just found this framework that I use where we get back to the original incident that are the origin story of your version of imposter syndrome. And when I'm working with people one-on-one, they will have already watched my webinar. They will have already taken my quiz and filled out the worksheet, Mm -hmm. but in three very powerful sessions for not a lot of money, they get their power back. Okay. Okay. So show us that. Yes. So can you give us like an example of that? Well, it's mine. Yeah, yeah, so it was mine, right? But I'll, another example, um, I was working with a client who made it to the C-suite, used to love her job, didn't like it anymore, didn't like her boss at 15 years, couldn't put her finger on it, didn't know why she was so upset, was really in her job biding her time, which didn't feel right to her either, because she's somebody who really usually contributes to people and she loves this company. What we realized when she was nine years old, And this is all through, you know, I listen, I listen, and then I ask questions, ask questions. And like I said, universe moves through me and it Mm -hmm. shows me where to, where to guide them. Where to hone in. Yep. Where to hone in and, um, or where this is the other piece. That's good. I can discern where there's a lot of energy around something as they're speaking, you know? So when she was nine years old, she brought a C on her home. She brought home a C on her report card. And her dad, in a very gruff voice, said, you know, what's with the C? And she said, well, daddy, it's average. Average? No daughter of mine's going to be average. Give me 1,500 words on average. What? So in that moment, right, right, the brain, and I say the brain because the brain is the same for each of us. We all have our unique stories and what's happened to us. But the brain works the way the brain works. And the brain's been working this way for 40,000 years. So in that moment, the brain is discerning threat. Daddy just yelled at me. I'm experiencing an unwanted emotion of embarrassment. I don't Mm. ever want to feel that again. So I will get everything perfect. I will never make a mistake. And that's how she became this perfectionist of really, you know, all T's crossed, I's dotted, which she needs in the role she's in and has propelled her to great heights, which is why I say you want to make imposter syndrome your superpower. Two and a half million tips, tools, and tricks out there from coaches about how to overcome it. I disagree with all of it. I even disagree with Dr. Valerie Young about how she approaches it because I don't think it works in the long term. I think it works when you're dealing with it, but when you're having an amygdala hijack, in that moment where the brain is kicking in that fight, flight, or freeze, are you going to remember a positive mantra? Are you going <laughs> to remember to take out all the great things that you've done and read those through? You're just trying to manage your mind. There's only one time you can manage your mind. Do you know when that is? No. When we're dead. Oh, you don't have to worry oh, about it oh, anymore. Oh, I would have never, <laughs> never thought that. Oh my gosh, it's like time. you can't get the pepper spray out of the closed purse when the predator comes up. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Right? Yeah. So, but what we're able to do when I was able to identify that brain pattern, then I sent her out into her life to witness 
when the brain got triggered to, to notice in her body where she felt it. Cause some people won't necessarily have a, she had a very clear origin story. Some people won't have that, but they know they feel tightness. They know around their neck, they might feel like they got punched in the gut. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then we had a conversation, right? Now that you know what triggers it, how do you want to show up? Because we've got an upset nine-year-old running, being the COO of a company in the body of a 55-year-old woman. How's that going? Oh my gosh. And most people get pissed off when I say that first. And you know, the truth will set you free, but first it's going to piss you off get pissed off. And then we just start laughing about it. Cause I try to bring calm. I'm like, look, you can't help it. What happened? You know, you got to right. see yeah. your dad said something and you decided to protect yourself. You're going to get everything perfect. So what she created was coming from curiosity okay. because what had happened and being caring and empathetic as she was out managing people and interacting with her boss, if, any time where she heard something that anybody was saying that she would interpret it as she wasn't doing it right. She wasn't doing it right. She wasn't doing it perfectly and taking things personally. Hmm. So we created a mantra called, I'm curious. I'm curious. Um, you, did, you weren't able to complete that assignment. I gave you, I'm curious, did you have everything you needed to do it? You know, did you come up, you know, did you find a problem and I wasn't available to answer it? She'd be, and it shifted her entire being. Um, Just yesterday, I had a call with one of my new clients. And when she was fifth or sixth grade, she had to pick a word to write a creative, uh, it was a creative writing class, a creative ad. And there was a list of words on the projector. And she thought the word B-A-S-S was pronounced bass. And this kid corrected her and said bass. And she got embarrassed and mm. she's never, ever going to be the first one to speak up ever again. Oh, and wow. she gets it wrong. Wow. So she's this expert tendency. She's got to have a ton of information about everything. So I'm talking to her like, so what happened? Well, what do you mean? La, 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 la. I'm like, look, you said bass. The kid said it's bass. Bass. Uh-huh. That's what happened. It doesn't have any meaning in it except what the mind brings to it. I said, what'd you have for breakfast? She goes, oatmeal with blueberries and walnuts and coconut chips. I said, does that mean that you're a healthier person than I am? Because I had a 20 gram plant-based protein shake with coffee in it. Well, I think so. I said, only because your mind tells you. And so she really got fast base and she had oatmeal and there's no distinction between the two. So now she's out to notice. And the thing with her was the memory that the, the memory was the only clear part in that memory was that she was with her peers. So when her version of imposter phenomenon fix gets kicked in is when she's among a group of people. So she'll be in a leadership team meeting, won't speak up. Mm. And she notices, she feels like there's a punch in her second chakra and her um, sacral chakra, which is the seat of all creation. That's our womb, creation of money, creation of power, creation of freedom, creation, creation, creation. And she's about to launch her second company and Mm. doesn't feel like she has what it takes and doesn't feel like she can put her words out there because she never wants to be the one to go first. So we're going to unpack all that, leaving her super effective and ready to lead that company and make another millions of dollars, whatever she's going to make. So that's the kind of thing I do with people. It's so much fun. I was thinking the other day, I really should do like a four part masterclass to have more people at the table. So because it's, it's sort of like, 
that al- analogy of the starfish, you know, that analogy of the starfish. Share. Well, so I'm sure you've heard this. So the guy's running on the beach and all of a sudden starts having to sidestep all these starfish. And he finally looks up and sees the beach littered with them and this little kid off in the distance, like picking up a starfish and throwing it back in the ocean. And the guy comes up to him and says, what are you doing? It's you're, it, Look at the beach. It's littered with starfish. It's not going to make a difference. And the kid looks at him and goes, it will with this one. Throws it back oh, in the ocean. Oh, I haven't actually heard that. Oh, it's a great. I, thought I everybody, love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I should really think about doing a four-part masterclass for this because I just want to get to more people. Oh, yes. And you have such energy behind you and, and I feel it. And I hope our listeners feel it coming through their devices right now, because you are all about empowering others and, and helping them see where they can really find themselves and yes, ma'am. propel themselves. I love that. Oh my gosh. So neat. So neat. Thank so you. what's on the horizon right now for you? How are you feeling? What's going on with you? Okay. Let's see. I'm feeling great. I feel like I am, you know, uh, the fit, you know, I, I'm on medication to make sure I don't have a recurrence. It's caused some weight gain. I'm slowly, but surely taking that off next week. I go to Charleston for 10 days. I am doing a huge photo shoot with this very well-known photographer. Who's like photographed Michelle Obama. You know, I'm such a goofball. I tell people it's like a rubber face, you know, whenever I'm in pictures, I'm always like, I look like a stroke victim because I'm always <laughs> making these ridiculous and it's horrible. And I don't ever really see the beauty that other people see. And so I said to this woman, I said, here's what I want. I want a guy to look at my website and go, she's hot. I want to date her. She goes, okay, what? let's go. So we're taking all kinds, not like sexy pictures, no, but no, just no, beautiful, know. you know, beautiful pictures. And I want, you know, being a wise woman at this stage in our lives, we have a lot of wisdom. So I want the wisdom to come through as much as the playfulness and the edginess. So that's happening next week. And I get to mastermind with four other amazing business leaders. And then I'm spending a week on the beach in the Isle of Palms with my best friend, three blocks from the ocean. Nice. Kayaking, maybe some whale watching, maybe some book reading, maybe some butt sitting. Whatever comes your way, you'll just- Whatever, exactly. And then my next- program is launching October 1st called the Dream Accelerator Academy. And these are for people who have dreams on the back burner. They know it. You know it. I know it. And they haven't done anything about it. And if you, they are ready to stop making excuses and start taking action, they want to get in the program. And um, right before Thanksgiving-ish, I'm going to be running my next 30-day Awaken Your Greatness Challenge. Oh, oh, yes. Because one of the pillars of that challenge is how do you listen for the gold? And coming into the holidays, being around family or being around family that you don't want to be around or being around family and you're missing those people that aren't here mm-hmm. or trying to get all the holidays perfect because you didn't have them in 2020. How do you let go of perfectionism? How do you stay present? How do you lead from the heart? How do you listen for the gold within your family? I think that 30-day challenge, which takes about five minutes a day, is going to be brilliant. Listen for the gold. Mm. What is what is that actually? What why what, that? What do you think it means? Well, maybe I would I I think it would mean listen for that excellent feeling you can have with people find the best version of everyone. No. And, yes. and if you were 
if you were um, committed to finding the best version of everybody, even that guy, what would you first have to give up to be able to hear their best version of themselves, to be able to hear the gold? Your own stories. There you go. Your own viewpoints. Interesting. And how would you know your stories are stories and not the truth? Um, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So it's discerning between is, is for the most part, I'll just give you a hint. We make up everything. Don't yeah. 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 Truth, That's right? true. Right. However, in the midst of it, your brother is that way. Your, 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 you know, whoever is that way, your friend is that way, except they're not. And we relate to each other like fixed objects as if mm. we're a, as if we're a, um, I don't know, a chair or a table with no ability to have any other and ourselves too, but we're not, we're not. Oh my gosh. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah. It's going to be phenomenal. I think it's going to be brilliant. And uh, that'll end somewhere around mid-December. Cause I always take the last two weeks of the year off. I think I'm going to have reconstruction right around that time. I think I'll have to figure out exactly when I'm going to do that. I, I don't know that I want to be having recovered from surgery during the last two weeks of the year. I'll probably miss all the parties. So I'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Jen. What do you do to keep yourself so positive and so upbeat? And you've had these hurdles, you've had tragedy, you've had setbacks, um, and you're still just this ball of energy and so positive. And I just feel empowered talking to you, honestly, but, (laughs) but what do you, how do you do this every day? How do you make yourself feel good every day? Yeah, there's a couple of things I do. Number one, I have got to meditate every morning. I have got to journal every morning. You know, you could call it meditation, prayer, mindfulness, whatever, however that is. Sometimes it's getting outside and walking and being in nature and Mm -hmm. listening to the sounds and noticing what's around you, journaling for sure, feeding myself good food. Mm -hmm. And I have certain people in my life who I can count on to go to when I know I'm not myself. Who's myself? Joyful, playful, loving, and peaceful. Peaceful. And when we're not at peace with ourselves, when we don't have peace of mind, we can't be for anyone else. And we're not meant to be in this world just inwardly focused all the time and separate. You know, we're here to connect with others and to build community and and create love in my opinion. So those are your non-negotiables every morning. You're going to meditate, journal, maybe be in nature. And that's just how you're going to start your day. Have my Owen protein shake, which I absolutely love, which is my new found phenomenon, 20 grams of protein. That's like drinking chocolate milk and has a cup of coffee in it. (laughs) I love that. I'll have to look that up. Yeah. Yeah, It's amazing. It's totally amazing. So um, how are all the cool ways people can find you? Because now everybody's going to want to talk to you. I know. Oh, I'd love to talk to them. Well, number one, they can find out all about me on my website, jencoken.com, J-E-N-C-O-K-E-N.com. Right on the front page, it talks about imposter syndrome. Um, you can, you know, you can through there, take the quiz. Once you take the quiz, you get a link to the webinar, et cetera. Get on my mailing list. Mm-hmm. Because I always send things out about free stuff I'm doing, whether it's the imposter syndrome mastermind. I have a 
Facebook group, Making Imposter Syndrome Your Superpower, that's public, that I mm-hmm. will go in at least once a week and do a live video or coach people. You know, if, if somebody leaves something, I'll coach them for free. Um, you know, or they can just email me, Jen at jencoken.com. Uh, but that's really the best ways to get a hold of me. And your books are on Amazon. My books are on Amazon, When I Die, Take My Panties and Embrace the Ridiculousness of Life, A Pocket Guide to Being a Better You. I love that. Jen, thank you so much for your time today. Um, Always learning. My sponge is full right now. I'm going to have to wring it out before I do anything else. (laughs) Write down. I've been taking notes while we've been talking. Um, Just really great stuff. And I look forward to speaking with you and working with you and especially the 30 day challenge in October, because this will be coming out before that. And so I think this will be great for our audience. Oh, the Dream Accelerator Academy starts October 1st. Okay. And then the Awaken Your Greatness Challenge will probably be closer to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like mid, because I think I want to do mid November to mid December. Okay. So I, people, you're doing it over the holidays and then leading into Christmas. And I don't want to work the last two days of the year. Right. So So, I'll probably just uh, do both. That's perfect. Okay. Okay. Um, Great. Well, thank you so much. And if there's one thing you could leave us with, what would it be? Hmm. That's a really good question. One thing. I think it is this, that you always, even when it doesn't seem like it, have a choice. Mm. about who you're going to be, how you're going to show up, how you're going to respond to something. I call that response ability. You have an ability to respond to things from a place of love or a place of fear and anger. Choose love. Oh my gosh. I love that. You just changed that whole word around. I'm not going to think of it the same ever (laughs) again. Thank you so much, Jen. It's been my honor. Thank you. It's been mine too. Oh, thank you. too. Until next time, breathe in your second win. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.